Welcome to episode 32 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we visit with former three-sport athlete Wayne Stingley. A native of Chicago, he came to EIU in the early 1960s as a track athlete and quickly worked his way onto the football and basketball teams with the Panthers. After becoming the first college graduate in his family, he moved into teaching and coaching. It was some advice from a friend that would then get him involved in the fast food business as he became an owner of a McDonald's franchise in Chicago, and he has since expanded his ownership with his wife Dorothy to franchises in Arizona where the couple now lives. Like this episode of EIU Panthers podcast and want to hear more? Then follow us wherever you get your favorite podcast. now available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio Podcast. Simply search EIU Panthers Podcast. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Athletics. Want to learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com. This week in EIU Athletics, sees a change in seasons as the Panthers basketball seasons have come to an end while football and women's soccer are just getting underway. The baseball, softball, tennis, swimming, men's soccer, and volleyball teams are all in full swing as all EIU athletics are underway. Congratulations to the EIU men's cross-country team on winning the OVC championship earlier this week. All five EIU runners earned all-conference honors. On the women's side, EIU finished third at the conference meet with four runners earning all OVC honors. Also this week, two women's basketball players earned all OVC honors and one from the men's basketball squad. The IU women's basketball team was defeated in the first round of the OVC tournament. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former EIU multi-sport athlete Wayne Stingley. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We've got a special guest with us today, a former Eastern Illinois multi-sport athlete from the, the mid-60s. Mr. Wayne Stingley has joined us today. Thank you from his home in Arizona. We've already discussed before we got on. He says it's cold for Arizona, but I'm sure the people here in Illinois would, would take that cold for Arizona any day of the week. Yeah, you would trade. <laughs> we, would, we wouldn't trade our weather for, for yours. <laughs> Now, I mentioned there, Wayne, that, that you were a multi-sport here, athlete here at Eastern Illinois. I looked it up just to confirm, and if I, if I missed one on here, please let me know. But okay. a football athlete, a basketball athlete, and a track athlete all, all at Eastern. Correct. I, I guess when, when you came to Eastern, was there – it's a little bit different era, I think, for people playing sports nowadays. It, a lot There were a lot of multi-sport athletes in college in that era, but did you – know you were going to be a multi-sport athlete when you came or did they just notice that you know that guy's really fast and really athletic we got to get him on our team <laughs> it's it's funny you say fast i came to to do track okay, okay? and i figured i'd play some football as well and uh, you know i discovered basketball after i saw the team and said oh, i played on the state championship basketball team and i played <laughs> Four years in high school, I could play as good as some of those guys. Yeah. Let me go talk to the coach. I went and had a conversation with the coach. He invited me for a tryout. I was on the basketball team. What can I tell you? Okay. And then you would have run, I'm guessing, for Pat O'Brien at the time then? Pat O'Brien. Coach O'Brien. Coach O'Brien. I'm sorry. Coach O'Brien. <laughs> coach, coach is coach. Okay. And coach was probably as well known as anybody at the university because he had uh, – He'd been an Olympic coach 
And he was, of course, interested in track, and he was very interested in his athletes. And when I came down early for football, he actually came out and, and met me, and we talked about, you know, what did I see my, his, my, uh, my stay at Easter would be like. And he gave me the do's and the don'ts. Like, I won't be here. I won't be seen in any, any bar. I didn't drink. Yeah. I won't be seen in any bars or any inappropriate places that would bring dishonor to the university uh, and especially to the track team. Yeah. Sure, coach, no problem there. I don't, I don't go to bars. I don't drink. That sort of thing. Then like a fool, I went in with a couple of, couple of guys that played football. We were looking for somebody, so we passed through a few places. The next morning, he was at the dormitory to see me. call me out and I knew then that uh, if you gave your word to this man you kept your word Okay. and so that was the start of my my track career while I was doing football but I never had another issue or problem with Coach O'Brien so now what events did you what events did you specialize in when you were a track athlete a uh, long jump, high jump, and I ran on the relays. Okay. Same thing what I did in, in high school. I was uh, I wasn't the fastest sprinter. We had four people faster than me, including my older brother. But I ran on the relays. If somebody was hurt, I was going to run the the quarter mile, uh, uh, the mile relay, or the uh, four by one hundred relay. They were changing. They were going in from yards to meters when I was in school. So okay. kind of catch you. The language is kind of off. Nope, nope, that's fine. I, I understand completely. I, 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 I handle track here at the university, and every once in a while, I, I see the, the little asterisks on things where they convert the, the yards to the meters, and they don't always like. I think it was 440 yards is now 400 meters, but I think if you do yeah. the math, 440 yards doesn't actually equal 400 meters. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so they've come up with some some fancy conversions from that standpoint. One of the things that we talked about, you, you played here in the mid-60s, and, and I'm always interesting to, to talk to people from that era. A number of years ago, um, men's basketball did a 100-year basketball celebration, and we put together a, a video on there. We, we talked to people from different eras, and I, I talked to some people from the 50s, and Jim Johnson, who, who you may know or may not know, um, mm-hmm. was on an African-American on, on that team, and we talked about, you know, some of the race relations and things he would have had to go through being on that team. I'm guessing you were, or I know for a fact, you were one of very few African-American athletes on Eastern's team. How, how did that relationship go and, and how open was that for you? You know, um, interesting. If, if, uh, if I go and look at my life in its totality and growing up in Chicago and moving from from a black community into an integrated community and watching that community change while you go to school. Uh, it, it, I didn't see it that way. I wasn't as, uh, how do you say, involved in what it looked like. Okay. I was, I, uh, I was having a good time. I was in a university. I was getting to finish a dream that my parents had for me. Neither of my parents went to high school. I'd graduated from high school. They just wanted to see somebody in the family graduate from college. My brother had gone into the service, you know, Vietnam, and uh, I was the next guy in line, and they wanted to see me graduate. Fact. In my family, there are four people who graduated from Eastern. Okay. Uh, Then I have a a son, and his wife also graduated from Eastern, so that would make six people. Wow. 
In my high school where I went, there were eight of us that came to Eastern because when I first came down here and there was only six black students, I went home and recruited. And okay. when I graduated, <laughs> there were 42. Okay. So um, we saw Eastern as a place where we could go, go to school and, and graduate and, and be uh, included and accepted. Eastern was not a... a a volatile place, I know it was in the 60s and we talked about what was just happening south of us, yep. you know, in Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, my auntie's from Arkansas. Eastern was was like home, it was a place we could go to school and get an education. So that's what I was doing there. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I completely agree with that. I, I And I've lived here now 15 years and I feel that Eastern is a a very small community. It, I, when I recruit graduate students and other people would tell me, you know, it is a college town in, in the Midwest. People are very friendly and very open about things. And it, it sounds like that was your experience, you know, 50 plus years ago. Yeah, it was. It was. There, were, there was a family, an, an interracially married family, the Nortons on the Norton. And uh, she is in, the, in that book that was completed about the student, uh, Black students at Eastern. Okay, yep, I've heard That's about that. That's a picture of her in that in that book. And and I actually stayed in her home. Some black students, three of us, all football players, stayed in her home. Okay. I stayed there the first two years and I moved across the street because it got kind of crowded there. Okay. But um Eastern was a very interesting place to go. And I don't think we had those issues. We were concerned about when are we gonna get a black fraternity or sorority? Okay. We were told by the university, you don't have enough members, you don't have enough students. And we didn't. You know, and now it has all those things that, uh, you know, I would think that my going there and my sending my uh, kids there and friends there uh, and creating a scholarship there would, would actually have show up in at Eastern. Yeah. They would actually show up there. And it only shows up when you have enough members and you have people there and they feel comfortable being there. So I've always been comfortable at Eastern. Good. Now we, we, we take you outside of Eastern a little bit then because I think Eastern we've just talked about and, and I think people that have been here realize it is has that, that home feel to it. That's not necessarily the case when you would have gone on the road. Are, are there instances you can remember where you guys went and, and I look there that you were there were just a few African-Americans on the, the teams you were on. Yeah. Did you guys, when you stayed overnight and I, I think about the movie and it may not be similar here, I, the, um, the Ernie Davis express story. And they, I remember always watching that one where they would go and the white players could stay at one hotel, but he would have to stay with outside. Oh, of no, no. I don't think it, I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't that. that way, but did you, did you have situations where you were made to feel awkward? No, 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 no. I think that uh, at Eastern, the coaching staff and the people there were very conscious about uh, us athletes in the school. And we were never, I can't ever remember being put in a situation where I felt uncomfortable. The, the, the thing I thought was amusing in being at Eastern was to meet so many young white kids who had never met a black person before or had a black person as a friend. Yep, I've heard, and, I've heard that story and, even. And I, the, and I was the first, you know, and <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting, yep. you know, having grown up in the, in the, in the state of Illinois and, uh, and it, it was born and raised in Chicago and spent my uh, the first 
25, 30, 40, 51 years of my life because I taught at Kankakee after graduating from Eastern, okay. um, where I heard this repeated over and over again, you know, and I thought it was amusing. And then I thought that there was an opportunity for me as that first black person that they would meet to uh, be uh, as, uh, how do you say, a normal relationship as they could possibly have with a person who was of a different race. Okay. I wasn't there trying to fight for any any rights that I was uh, being denied. I wasn't being denied anything. I was just being introduced to somebody who had the uh, fortitude to say to me, hey, you're the first uh, black person I've ever met and, and my friend. So if I'm acting a little funny, it's because I, I'm, I don't want to mess this up. And I said, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, you know, then we got on with what we were getting on with, whether that was relays on the track team or uh, playing basketball or even football. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So um, I guess af athletics has that for you. Yes. That you can hide out in there and everybody's about winning the game and personalities and racial differences don't play that that much of an importance is yeah. can you get the job done? No, I, That's I, all. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. So, so then we'll take, we'll get out of that, that, that subject there. I do appreciate you, you, you talking about that and being very candid and open about it. I'm always curious as somebody that's a little bit younger than that, that, and I like, like the historical aspect of it to, to get people's takes on that. But now we'll take you back to just your, your, your time as an athlete. Is there a, I don't want to say a moment or a game, but kind of, maybe an experience that, that you remember to this day that when somebody asks you about, hey, your time at Eastern, what stands out and what, what kind of maybe comes to your mind from there? Well, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you a moment. I, I thought about that and I, I thought I might be asked that okay. as, as a question. And I can recall, uh, I told you about my basketball experience. I didn't go for basketball. I didn't think, oh, I'm not a college basketball player, but I'm a college football player. And running track is running track. If I can outrun you, yep. I bet you I'm going to be on that team and you're going to be sitting on the yep. side if the coach wants to win, right? So uh, let's go to basketball. When I went out for basketball, of course, I made the team. I, I got a good skill set and I played at, at Marshall uh, in Chicago. And uh, what I noticed is that Val Bush, another black athlete from Champaign, Yep, I've talked to Val before. Yes, sir. Okay, Val was the starting guard. He's in California now. I, I, I see him every now and then. Um, he was the starting guard, you know, and Val was the guy that the point guard. He passed the ball. I didn't play point guard in, in, in Marshall. I was a shooting guard. I was the guy that's going to drive the bass, shoot the ball. I wasn't giving it up if I got it. Yep. And Val was the guy that gave it up. Uh, the, the thing that Val and I discussed all the time is why didn't they coach play us together? <laughs> he always played either Val or me, but the only time we played together is when we left town and we were playing uh, over in uh, uh, playing Western, uh, playing down Southern. Okay. Then we then he put us on the court together because pressing the ball, I go get it, you know that kind of stuff. But you know we never played much together. But you know we had a winning team, and I I, I thought it had something to do with the fact that he was going to put two two black athletes on the team together in, in charge of the ball. That wasn't it as much as I thought it was. You know, I, 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 would, I would like to think I was right there, but that wasn't it. 
What happened was the basketball coach went on sabbatical and the guy that came in to, to do the basketball coach coaching was not a basketball coach per se. He was actually the tennis coach. Okay. Coach Darling. Yeah. He was the tennis coach. <laughs> so we figured, we figured we knew more about basketball than he knew because we had been in, we'd been in the, in the, in games where, you know, you had to adjust to what was going on. Yep. And uh, Val and I used to look and laugh at that. I think in the four years I was there, there were three black guys on the, on the basketball team. Yep. So, you know, it was, it was, it, it was okay. I wasn't, you know, crazy about it in, at any, any, any time in my career. I didn't get crazy about it. I knew there were guys better than me benefited for the things they were doing. And Val was, is the best point guard we had. He knew how to give up the ball and run the plays a lot better than I did. I didn't have any problem. I was a fixture on the team because I was a – I led the freshman team in scoring. Yeah. <laughs> so why why wouldn't you want to keep that guy on your varsity <laughs> team? So, you know, it was that, it was that kind of thing. It was not any anything other than that. You know, we, yeah. didn't, ha- we didn't have a lot of outstanding uh, minority athletes show up at our university. Okay, they showed up at Southern or Illinois or maybe Illinois State. Okay. Okay. Because they had they had certainly invested in minority athletes a lot. I don't say sooner than Eastern, not like it was that Eastern was uh, uh, not doing it. Eastern was the smaller of the state schools. If you go back and look at the enrollment. I, I liked Eastern for that reason. I could go there and be okay there. I wouldn't be. Uh, forgotten or missed. Okay. Okay. And you know, I I chose I chose well. My sister, my cousin, two cousins, my my son and his wife. You know, we have uh, eight family members who are uh, college graduates from Eastern Illinois University. Wow. So Eastern has done well for us. I.e., there's a scholarship in the Stingley yep. name there. Yep, I've I've heard that. Mike Murray that's, told me about that's that. How, that's how that got there. <laughs> That's how that got there, because my wife said to me, honey, you know, you've gotten a lot and your family's gotten a lot. Uh, you, you should do what, what we did when we went to Israel. And I said, what's that? Our church went to Israel. And one of the things we did in Israel is we created a scholarship so the Palestinian students could go to college there. Oh, wow. We created a scholarship. She said, you can create a scholarship. We got the money to do that. And we talked about it. Next thing you know, there's a scholarship there. And it's not it's not a race based scholarship. It's a scholarship based on students needs academics. Okay, and the university can do like they did when I was there. When I needed something, I'd go to financial aid with Coach O'Brien and we looked to see if there was any money there in any category that I could fit into that I could get this money. And that's how I got through school. I had a teacher education scholarship and. I had the hearts uh, and and souls of people at Eastern who were who wanted to see somebody succeed there, minority, non-minority, just somebody succeed there. Yep. So, well, I know we do. I know we do appreciate that. We always appreciate when people give back. So thank thank you for for that and your scholarship. And so you, you use that degree, and I and I can see how much Eastern means to you. I can can hear it in your voice. We're, we. Yeah. Well, just on the podcast, we just put the audio, but we're recording this on a Zoom, and I can see the smile on your face yeah. talking about the oh, about absolutely. The there for 
So you graduate from Eastern. We'll move on to, to the rest of your life. <laughs> the, the first 22 years are up to that. So, and I know right now we'll get into the kind of some, you know, some of the businesses you do right now, but, yeah. and to kind of spoiler alert for the people listening, they may not know um, Wayne is in his wife. He, he mentioned it earlier. He kind of teased that when he mentioned that, um, knows some McDonald's employees, uh, Wayne and his wife are McDonald's franchise owners, but I'm guessing in 1965, 66, when you graduated, you didn't walk in and go buy a McDonald's franchise. There were, there were some steps to get to that and kind of maybe catch people up on, on what some of those steps were. What, it, what, where, where did life take you after you graduated from Eastern? It's, it's, the, it's the thing that my grandson asked me right now, well, what did a college diploma do for you, grandpa? I said, it enabled me to check the box. And he looked at me kind of funny. I said, well, you know, the box that says education and you good, you put high school and you don't put college. They go, well, we were looking for college graduates. So uh, thanks for applying, but no thanks. Yep. I said, so it gives you an, another opportunity. Uh, McDonald's was looking to diversify its franchise, um, its franchise owners okay. back in the, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Okay. I was coaching at Chicago Vocational High School, CVS. Okay. And uh, there was a guy coaching with me who went into McDonald's. And he left. And I said, why would anybody leave in this golden opportunity to coach and make a difference in young people's lives? And who knows, you can win a city championship and stuff like that. That's how I got my motivation to go to college. And he took me by his McDonald's restaurant. He make a long story short, he gave me an application and say, you should do this. I said, no, I like what I'm doing. It took me three years to decide that this is something I should do because the principal then brought in one of his friends to do what I was doing, to coach the basketball team. And I was no longer the basketball coach. I was the head of the department and I uh, taught driver's education. It's the largest school in the state of Illinois. 5,000 students, Chicago vocational. If you check right now, they're closing the school because they don't have enough students to go into the vocational trades. Yeah, I know that's that's a big thing nowadays. Yeah, so IE, I took the application, filled out the application, got into McDonald's in 1981, had a store in Chicago, had two stores in Chicago, had three stores in Chicago, and then everything stopped. And McDonald's was looking again to diversify. And since I was in Chicago, I'm interracially married. They saw this opportunity for me in Arizona. So I've been in Arizona since 1993. My youngest kid was 10 days old when we moved here. Okay. We have 16 restaurants, about 760 so employees. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. You know, it's... I wouldn't have been able to do it without a college education. They were not looking for the high school graduates. They were not looking for former employees. They were looking to uh, upgrade this operator pool by giving people with uh, college degrees, who brought some skill set into the business to become operators. So long story short, my wife and I own restaurants and we have about 750 or so employees working with us now. And it's a, it's a big thing. Yep. It's interesting that, that that you got into it in Chicago because I with the McDonald's kind of the backstory is where the McDonald's part comes from is from the Chicago area so you know that yeah. that yeah. that's interesting there is that I guess did you have inter- interactions with Ray Kroc I'm assuming as an oh I knew, I, knew that area? I got to meet Ray Kroc 
I can give you, listen, I was the 124th black operator in the system. Okay. That's what we were counting. <laughs> right? Right now, they're about, they're a little less than 200 black entities. An entity is a family. Okay. So you may have four or five operators in your family, but you're just one entity. So okay. there are only about 200 operators uh, in, in terms of entities. And now we count them as women, uh, black, uh, Asian, Hispanic. They all have their own, uh, their own uh, organizations within the McDonald family. And McDonald's is looking to be, uh, uh, how do you say, diverse in that area okay. where everybody's included and you have uh, organizations that support your, uh, your uh, inclusion and your growth because, in, you know, one restaurant, you're not doing too good. When you got 16, I guess you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay right now. Okay. That's very interesting there. And then I know the other thing, I'm, the McDonald's University, is this true that the owners all go to a... a oh, yeah, of course. Real thing, right? <laughs> oh, it's a real... It's a, it's, it's a big thing. As a matter of fact, they're doing exactly what is being done now with the with university classes. Uh they're actually doing it online with Zoom. Okay. My daughter just finished a Zoom class at Hamburger U. Okay. <laughs> you know, you got to graduate from Hamburger U to become an, an operator and, and an owner. Okay. You just don't walk in the door and they give you some money. It's like <laughs> a, a school and education and you, you learn our history. You learn what we're up to and what we've been doing uh, and what we intend to do and how we intend to be inclusive. And then... You know, somebody comes out and looks over your shoulder. And when they look long enough and your parents have made good <laughs> decisions and have honored the brand, then you're, you get the pat on the back. Okay. But you got to give your kid a quarter million dollars so, uh, or a part ownership in the store, a restaurant or two, and then they're part of the family. That's okay. how that goes. You, you got to come in with some dollars and cents. Okay. So that means we've given our children some some restaurants and ownership. And the day we step out and, you know, maybe they'll start paying us. Who knows? <laughs> they don't keep us on the payroll because yeah. you put them on the payroll. Yeah. You actually put them on the payroll. OK. So so that they're making money. Very good. It's, it's, it's called business. Yep. No, very, very true. And I know you, you talked about your grandkids there. They asked you, they kind of joked with you about what does a college degree do for you? Yeah. I'm guessing, I'm guessing they're more in tune to knowing grandpa one is grandpa, but grandpa takes you to get, you know, a happy meal at, at, at yeah. McDonald's, but he, and he doesn't have to pay for it when he goes in properly. Uh, you know, I, you know, the funny part about that is I'm always explaining to him when you go in, I pay for everything. Okay. I pay for it. I keep the receipt because I can turn the receipt back and get my money. Yeah. But you know, it's the way it looks at the front counter when, when you walk in and somebody gives you something free and everybody looks and they, who is that? And what's that? Yeah. And then pretty soon the people behind the counter want to do that. And you don't want to do that. You you pay for everything. You keep your receipts. I turn my receipts in. I get petty cash. Okay. I'm, a, I'm the petty cash guy. I, I'll spend petty cash more than I'll spend anything else. So that's the way that works. But it, it's a good system. And, and I, I got that way because I, I, I did some things that my parents wanted me to do. Neither of my parents had a high school education. Both Ray families came out of Mississippi to Illinois when they met and got married. Okay. They just wanted us to go to school and graduate from high school. 
because in our family, they were the firstborn and the firstborn child always helps mom and dad raise his sisters and brothers while mom and dad work two or three jobs to make ends meet. And I, when I got out of school, I had two jobs. I taught school and drove the bus. Until my wife graduated from school, I was driving the bus and at night and teaching school, elementary school during the day. And then I got to coach. Yeah. My God, <laughs> I got to coach. And I won a city championship in basketball and stuff like that and did a few other things. And then somebody pointed out I couldn't, I couldn't take care of my family unless I used my education differently, which is what I did. I had, I had a degree. I got a master's from Eastern Illinois, too. Okay. I took 10 people back to school and uh, at Chicago Vocational High School, and we all got masters in communications, you know, for counseling. Yep. So that was one of the things I had. I'm real proud of that because I keep those two master's degrees up here on the shelf. Okay. <laughs> but, you Very know, I, it all started at Easter. It all started at Easter. Very good. Very good. Well, I, I appreciate your time today, Wayne. I hope you get out there. Hope the weather warms up for you guys by Arizona styles. And I'm I'm glad you take down the take us down the trip down memory lane here at Eastern and let you relive some of those those good times you had. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Anything for Eastern. Anything. All right. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a blessed day. You too. <laughs>